Romans chapter 6. I want to read uh, verse 1 through 14. So it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase by no means? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. I love that. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you should obey its evil desires. Do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death, brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for, sh- for sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. New life in Christ Jesus. Big chunk. Paul takes a lot of time there unpacking some heavy theological stuff, which I'm not going to get into all of it this morning. You know, when I was, I came to know the Lord when I was four years old, believe it or not. My dad was a Vietnam vet. Is a Vietnam vet. My my mom uh, was, you know, a, a Christian. Um, you know, I, I don't know about many of you, but when you're sometimes you, you struggle in your faith for a while. I think my mom struggled in her faith when she was younger. My dad was not saved. When I was four years old, my mom asked me, uh, "Matt, do you want to receive Jesus into your heart?" And I said, "Yes, I do." And there was a pulling on my heart, and I responded, and we knelt next to the bed, and we, and we prayed. And I remember just an overwhelming sense of just uh, this flood filled my life. I didn't know what it was at the time. I could not explain the Holy Spirit. Still can't, just to let you know. But he filled my heart. Several years later, I was baptized. My parents ended up parting ways when I was 11 years old, and it kind of opened up a door for me to just get into a life of sin. My heart began to wander, and, uh, you know, I started smoking and drugs and girls and all the things, uh, music. You know, music became a real heavy part of my life. I sunk into depression and darkness. I was tra- trying to meet the needs in my heart through my own means. I knew God, but it wasn't until I experienced really great pain and unbearable sorrow that I actually began to think about him again. And I remember at 19 having this un- just bearable pain in my life and oppression. 
remember looking up at the sunshine and wishing that it would, like I could see it. I was so dark inside. And it was a really horrible time. And I remember it got so overwhelming at once, I, I pulled over on the side of the road and I just said, God, if you're there, help. And there was a tremendous peace that flooded into my heart for about one second. Because God knows me. He knows what I need. It's different for each person. If he would have taken everything away, I would have continued doing what I was doing. But that weight of sin, that weight of the life upon me caused me to cry out to God. And God took it away for a split second and I heard him speak to my heart. It wasn't an audible voice. I just, I knew it was him. Follow me. And I knew that I had to surrender. I knew I had to follow him. I didn't know what that looked like. Now, I, there is a disclaimer. I was hearing voices at the time, but this is, <laughs> I knew who it was, right? <laughs> and so, I went to the first, the, my, my church that we kind of frequented growing up, not very consistent whatsoever. I went there and someone had died, like in the youth group or, you know, in the college group. So, like, I'm, I'm here just devastated, and, and they're devastated for a different reason. And so, it was a closed door. I'm like, I need help. They're like, yeah, but someone died. I'm like, but I'm alive. <laughs> it was a hard situation. And through that, I'm like, okay, I got really angry at God. Here I am calling out to you, telling me go. So I go, and what happens? Closed door. Thanks a lot, God. But God was working in my life in other ways. There was a band that I knew, a Christian band, through a mutual friend. And they went to uh, Calvary Chapel, where I eventually go. Um, and they liked a song I liked, and so they had me record it for something. And, you know, they, they developed a relationship with me. And they invited me to church. The drummer specifically invited me to church. Jason. And so, come on Sunday morning at this time. They had three services, or two services. I, I'll be at second service at this time. All right, I'll be there. And so I went. And what happened? He wasn't there. Great. So I had to sit through this guy talking forever. It was just annoying. Anybody ever had that situation? <laughs> it drives me. It's horrible. I'm like, you know, looking through the bulletin. I'm just trying to, will this guy ever end? And they preached for an hour, so, which is perfect timing, actually. No. <laughs> so I listened to him speak, and, okay, great. I'm calling these guys. I'm like, hey, well, what's going on? Oh, sorry, we couldn't make this came up. Meet us this next time. Same thing happened. I'm sitting here listening. To the, God was getting me into the church to listen to his word. And as I, he was going through Mark and speaking about the lost sheep, my heart was beginning to be pulled towards God. He's like, hey, you're that lost sheep. All these years I've been there. I've never left. I love you. This is not what I've called you to. Come out. So I re-surrendered my life to the Lord eventually through the church. God began working through people, situations, serving and it was exciting. And God began to heal my mind. He began to heal my mind. 
which was important. I became very lonely because all my friends started going away, and then I prayed for friends, and one day I looked around, and I realized how many friends I had had. God had replaced the world with the church. Friends who would go to bat for me, who loved me in spite of me. Their love for me wasn't based upon how I did or didn't do. They expected me to fail a lot. And I did. The women's ministry bought me shoes because I had holes in them and that wasn't appropriate. Of course, they tried to hook me up with everybody, but (laughs) I was younger then. Get away. He replaced getting high with the Holy Spirit. The thing I'd been longing for in my life, the thing that I needed to have, that one thing, he replaced it with the Holy Spirit. And it's unquenchable. It's awesome. And replaced relationships with my, my wife, Christine, who he brought to me in ministry. And he gave me kids. He gave me new life. New life. And that's why we're here this morning. For new life. And I realized that my talents, the things that I could do for me, were never designed for me. They were designed for him and for you. If I could turn it down just a little bit. They were designed for you, for his glory. And the more that I abandoned my pursuit of my desires for meeting my needs and started using it for his glory, the more I became satisfied in doing those things. The more he gave me opportunity to use them. the more I began to see God working in my life. I also found out that I had value and purpose. I had value. I had meaning. That I wasn't who I thought I always was. And I began seeing myself through Christ's eyes, through the body of Christ. And I also found out that I was still pretty messed up. And I also found out that other people were still pretty messed up. But I also have found out and am finding out that it is through the body of Christ that God desires to heal us and mature us and to work out those things that are horrible and ungodly within us. And that this should be a safe place to fail. Anyone? A safe place when you see Matt and go, gosh, that guy has problems. Yes, I do. Amen? The chief of sinners, Paul cried out, but by the grace of God go I. But there can become a time in, in, in our lives, in my, in, in my life there was and is, I would say, where, you know, you just look at your life and you go, wow, God's forgiving me, this is great. And then you sin, uh, eradicating sin in our life, uh, no longer becomes, we, we become desensitized to it because we become sometimes acclimated to a Christian culture. And we sometimes become resistant and we sometimes give up on letting the Lord take these things in our lives. And so we bump into one another and we have trouble and instead of that being the mechanism for God cleaning us up and working these things out, we go, I'm going to a different church. I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm doing this. I'm just going to stay the way I am. 
when God wants to clean us up. This is, this is the school for us growing in Christ. And sometimes we can become callous to His grace and the good things that He's doing, the purpose for which He saved us, to make us more like Jesus. Not to keep us the way we are, right? And so Paul's talking to a church here that's dealing with the legalism, which I don't want to talk about today, but he's, he's dealing with Romans 6.1. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? God's got it covered. I'm good. You know, I'm in the fold. Everything's fine. Should I, should I go on sinning? And what does that mean, that grace may abound? What does that mean? That grace may abound, meaning that God showed us grace because we needed him. We needed God. And so God, in his nature, in the very being that he has, he looks to us when we're broken and his heart goes towards us. That is who he is. And his grace abounds towards us. That's, that's who he is, his very nature. He is gracious. He loves to reach out to those who are in distress. That is who he is. Sin, what is sin? We just love that word in our culture, don't we? Talk about everything, but don't tell me about sin. You can't have the cross without sin. You can't have Jesus without that removal of it, right? What it costs, that's, that's the, the part that God wants to deal with in all of our lives. And sin is doing it my way. Anyone? Imposing self-rule, taking lordship of our own lives, using my own means to meet my own needs instead of going to God. And so the Apostle Paul, he's reminding this church, he's writing to saying, hey, shall we keep putting ourselves in distress by our own willful sinfulness so that he can rescue us again because he is gracious? Is that what it means to be a Christian? To willfully choose to go back and live the old life so that God would rescue us all over again? Is that what our lives are to be marked by when people look at us? And I love the Apostle Paul. He's always answering himself, which makes me feel better about me. Verse 2, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How How can we live in it any longer? What does that mean? That we are those who have died to sin. Verse 3, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? When we are baptized... When we go down into the water, when we immerse ourselves with Christ, this symbolizes a spiritual reality. That we are one with Christ. That when we have called out to Christ, we, are, we have been made one with Him. And baptism represents that. That we are made one with Him. And Paul is saying that those of us who are baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. In other words, that the life of sin that we let rule our lives, our old self, as Paul's going to talk about in a second, that old life, it's dead. It's no longer. It was buried with Christ. It's gone. And just as Christ died, we by faith, faith, keyword, died with Him. This is a spiritual transaction that happens. It happens in our hearts, our souls, our spirits, whatever that word is, our inner man. The old life has passed away with Christ. Praise God. Now, why does God want us to be united with his death, to identify with his death? Is it just so that our sins would be dead and gone with? There has to be also life, right? So Paul answers it in verse 4. We were therefore buried with him, 
through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. He wants us to be fully identified with Jesus Christ. In his death, the old ways are gone, and when he raises up, we, want, we have a new life as well. That's what it means to be in Christ. Amen? God's plan is awesome. He doesn't unite us with Christ so that we can stay the way we are. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God's plan was never for Christ to die and take away our sins so that we can keep on living the dead life. God's plan is that when we call out to God and, say, and, and, and ask him to save us from our sins and from the coming judgment, that we cling to Jesus who was crucified and was crucified with that old life we had. And that our old life would be crucified with him. That we'd be just fully, it's gone. Just as Jesus is dead, our old life is dead. How many of you need that old life to die? A miserable death. Anyone? To be crucified. The old life that says, I make my decisions. The old life that says, I am my own master. I will do life my way and meet my needs with my plans and my power, me, me, me. Anyone? That old life, the life of sin that is in each of us, it just, it flows through our veins. You can't run away with it. Run away from it, you know? It refuses to surrender to God. And at the end of this chapter, it says, well, what's the, what's the end result of that? It says the wages of sin, your payment for all that wonderful stuff is death. And it's a spiritual death with physical consequences. We spiritually are dead because of our sin. And when we die physically as a result of our spiritual death, we go on being dead, which is being separated from God throughout eternity. But... The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. But what does the other half of the verse say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Yeah. Like that part. You know, put a star next to it. You see, God loves us so much, he wanted to make a way out. But he can't let sin slide. can't change his mind about sin. I'll just overlook that one. God is a God who is merciful. Absolutely merciful. At the same time, he's a God who's just. He can't dismiss one or the other. He has to be all of those at once. And so there has to be a penalty for death. And guess how that came? So when we say, have mercy upon me, God, a sinner, God says, what have you been waiting for? I sent my son, my only son, who was without sin, to take your sin upon him in our place. Jesus on the cross, right? That old life. You can't take a sinful thing to pay for a sinful thing. No, sinless. The sinless perfection of Christ. All of our sin put upon him spiritual, physical, it's all there. He paid it all. 
when we cry out to him, something happens in us. That old life we lived died with Christ. But it doesn't, say, it doesn't stop there. We'd be made new, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in his death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection like this. Like his. It doesn't stop with our sins being paid for. That's just the beginning. God wants us to arise, to get up and to live in him. The exciting part, being united with him in his resurrection, that victorious life. Verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Before Jesus, I was a total slave to sin. Total slave, no choice, just was there. A slave to a life of rebellion towards God. That was my primary function of my nature. Anyone tried to work against that? I tell you, it's going uphill. But when I gave to my, my life to God, that old life when I was four years old, believe me, and, and I'm talking about for you, uh, we can fall away from Christ and go live, and that's the purpose of this message, is we can live that old life again instead of walking in the new life. But listen, when we give our lives to God, that old life, the old man, the same old man, the, tran- the old man, the translation says, it's been buried with Christ, and by faith I'm no longer a slave to Matt's old ways. And now just as I have been united with Christ's death, I'm united in his life. And now I live. In verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And these are inseparable truths. If we died with Christ, then we will live with Christ. They are tied together. Can't have one or the other. You know, you give your life to God, you live. You hold on to your life, you lose it. Jesus said, give it to me, be buried with me, and rise again. We are those who have been crucified with Christ and now live. Verse 9, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead. You can click up there in verse 9. That'd be good. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But, he, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus died for sin once and for all. He doesn't have to die over and over and over again. It's done once and for all. Now he is risen from the dead and the life that he lives right now, he lives to God. And now this next verse, this is the crux of it. In that same way as verse 10, that Jesus died once to sin and now lives to God. In that same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Making sense? Count yourselves dead. How do you do that? Same way we came to Christ, by faith, by faith. That's the same way we continue in Christ. The same way we will finish in Christ is by faith. Not by my efforts, by my works, but by believing in the promise. And this is what it means to be a a Christian. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. This life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He died for sin, we die to sin. Daily, right? He lives to God, we live for God. Daily. He is risen, are we? Yes. And that is the life we live. Arise, amen? 
That's what it means to be a Christian. The term Christian was coined 2,000 plus years ago over in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas were hanging out making disciples and people started imitating Jesus so much that they, they created a mockery term, Christians. You guys are Christians. You're just like a little Jesus. Look at you. And they're walking around going, praise God. 2,000 years later, sometimes the word Christian doesn't have the same quite ring to it. It's still a mockery term. Why is that? Because we forgot to die and to live. I forget that all the time. Should we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. God wants us to, by daily, remember that that old man is dead. And is it a fight every day, everybody? Because your flesh resurrects every day, doesn't it? Salvation is, a, is, is Jesus paid it all, one and done. Sanctification, another Christianese word, is living your whole life for Christ. Day after day, being molded into the image of Jesus Christ, what you were made to be. What you were made to be, sorry. You know what I'm saying? You were being molded into the image of Christ Jesus every single day. Some of us live. We forget that we, we live in the past and we keep, you know, trudging over the same stuff. And I would encourage you to step out and grow. Take a Genesis class. Take a, and this isn't a, you know, I'm just saying, take a Genesis class. Go partner up with someone older than the Lord. Go to someone and say, hey, I messed up. And I'm not going anywhere until, until God fixes this. I want to grow. I want to live in the life that Jesus promised me. I'm not going to run from it anymore. I'm not going to go holding on to my past and going back to my old ways because I just can't have victory in this. There is victory. It's there. It's for you. He promised it. It's yours. It's yours to take and to walk in every day. Yes, we're going to fail. We're going to fail a lot. But I'm looking forward to God's grace in those situations, not so that I may continue to sin purposefully, but because He loves us and He wants to part His grace on us. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. Amen? I love that. So, practical application here, verse 12 through 14. What does that life look like? What does that life look like? Yeah, I talked about Genesis class, but here's what Paul's talking about. Therefore, because you are to live what like Christ lived, because you now are his, and you're united in his death, now you're united in his, in his life, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So, Paul is saying, guess what? Sin is still in your body. You're going to have a war day after day. And he says to you, don't let it reign. Let Christ reign. You have a choice now in Christ Jesus. You didn't before, now you do. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Do not offer, verse 13, any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Think of parts of your body. Don't offer them for evil. 
your eyes, your big toe, whatever you want to talk about. Don't offer it. It's not his. It's not the enemy's. It's God's now. It's not yours. It's his. He bought it. But rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. You've been conveyed. And offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. You're no longer a secular guitar player, Matt. You are now an instrument for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I have bought and purchased you. It's not about the guitar. It's about your heart, your mind, everything you do, anything you're good at. It's all for him. Being a godly influence in your place of business. Being a godly influence as, being, as a parent. Being salt and light, whatever God's given you. Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master. Amen? Why? Because we are united with Christ. And if he died and our sin is buried, then we now, and he lives now, we now have the power over sin. And it's found in him. So arise, church. Let us walk in him. Amen? Let us walk. Take steps of faith you're stagnant if you're stuck start moving start calling out to god grabbing for him opening his word putting away things that would cause you to you know be distracted from him that's between you and the lord you know what's going on amen so let's arise let's pray father i i want to thank you for your son and I'm praying, God, that my life, that our lives would be fully identified with him. That I wouldn't identify with some entertainment person. I wouldn't identify with some sports figure. I wouldn't identify even with some great writer or politician or whatever it might be, that Jesus would be our all in all. We can admire people, but Lord, let, us, let you be the apple of our eye. And I pray, God, that where people are struggling, I, I hope they don't walk away from this feeling like, Gosh, I'm so defeated. I'm still living the life of sin. But I pray that they would know your hand is right there for them. To pull them out, to give them grace, not to condemn them, but to pick them up, wash them. And now, from this day forward, that life would be at their fingertips and they would walk in your life, Jesus, the goodness that you have. I pray for those who don't know you in this room that that would happen. I pray for those who do know you in this room, who decided, like I do often, Lord, to go ahead and go to the old man again because what's happening now isn't working or because my heart got hard. So free us and help us to walk in it. And I do want to ask if anyone has not received the Lord as their Savior, you haven't called out to him to begin with to say, God, save me. Take away that old man. Let it be gone and buried with you, and I need new life. If you have not done that, I want to give you the opportunity to pray with me. And it's not because you raise your hand or because of anything. It's a heart transaction. It has to happen in the heart. So if you've never done that before, with every eye closed and every head bowed, raise your hand up, pop it up and down, and we'll pray for you this morning. God bless you. Anyone else? Old man away, new man arise.
I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. It's the cry of your heart. You be my God. If that's you, raise your hand. Put it down. For anyone else who's been walking with the Lord and feels like, you know what, I'm just kind of just doing the old, the old life thing. I keep going back to these patterns and I'm holding on to them. I want you to put your hand up and down. It's not for me, it's for you. Say, I need help. God bless you guys. God sees you. Anyone else? Yep. This is not, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. None of that. This is just for you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would please take our sin again and just uh, cleanse us from our desire to do it our way and that you would rule and reign on the throne of our lives that you would lift the weight and the burden of sin and replace it with peace you are the king of peace and you alone can grant what we need God, we love you, and we give you this day. Cause us to arise. In the name of Jesus, amen.